0: Welcome to Storytelling with Lindsay Bednar. Well, hi, Susie.
1: Hi, Lindsay. Thank you for having me on.
0: It's so nice to finally meet you. It's wild how I came across you and the synchronicities that we have in common. So... I have been interested in near-death experiences for as long as I can remember. I remember my mom sharing stories with me about articles she's come across or books that she had read of people who had shared their NDEs. So when I started this podcast, one of the things on my list was to find somebody who could share their near-death experience. So I was on Instagram and I just searched for the hashtag and you were one of the first profiles I came across. And then I come to find out you're also a podcast host. You are also an author. You're a mother as well. You are a TEDx speaker, a cancer survivor. You are founder of top five celebrity PR agency, and of course, a near-death experiencer. So I was amazed to find you and I'm so excited to hear more about you from what I've seen and what I've read. It's, I think it's 5% of people who have had a near death experience, but it's a small number of people. And I feel like anybody who has had it like yourself has so much to offer and and to educate us on. So if you want to just start with your story and how you had your experience, that would be great. Sure.
1: Really happy to talk about it. Because I do feel like a different person than I was before. So it was like Susie before the NDE, Susie after the NDE. And I've always been interested in spirituality in connection, in healing, life transformation. All of these topics are always very interesting to me. I spent many years... I, I worked in television for a while, quite a few years. I worked uh, with the guys who train NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, a way to focus the mind into different learning about the power of the mind and how to work with it in terms of language, in terms of thinking, in terms of emotion. I worked with these guys for, including the creator of it, uh, Dr. Richard Bandler, for over 10 years. So I got a lot of training in using the mind. And Later on, I was in Ibiza where I have a home and my neighbor, who's a gorgeous, feisty Serbian woman, very good friend, uh, we had coffee every day in our village. And one morning we were, as usual, gonna meet for coffee. I arrived an hour late and she went, Susie, where have you been? Uh, You're always on time. And I said, oh, I forgot how to get here. And she said, "Mm, that's a red flag. You have been acting quite strange. I want to take you and get you some checks in a hospital with a doctor. I went, whoa, no, 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 it's okay. No, that wasn't for me. So I protested, but she took none of it and made me go and the hat got checked. And very quickly, it was clear I had something very serious going on with my brain. I then went to University of Cambridge hospital in the uk and i had a brain scan and it showed up a massive brain tumor right in the center of my brain so inoperable the doctors told me you've got three weeks to live ish get your family here don't mess about just go get it get things sorted write a letter to your son this is to my neighbor saying you have to write now the last letter to your son how do you do that write a will, get your affairs in order. And everyone around me thought that I was going, except for me and my son. We both had this sense that this was not my time to go. However, they thought, I mean, I was acting strange. I was very hyper, talking really fast. Things weren't normal. And uh, with this diagnosis of a brain cancer, brain tumor, which I'm not going to use those. I've said it now. I'm not going to repeat these words. I might call it the C word or the T word, because I know that words have power. This is one of the things that I learned very strongly. So I was in hospital. I agreed reluctantly to have treatment, which I began, and uh, I had very good relationship with my nurses. Uh, it was a full on oncology department. One of the greatest. They have the great. It's came connected to Cambridge University, a very great reputation for dealing with these things. So I. Underwent some of the medical, traditional medical routes, such as chemo and so on. And one morning, I was—I'm a—I'm a meditator and I have been for many years. Worked a lot with the David Lynch Foundation, getting meditation out to the world because I feel it's a very important modality for our brains in this busy lifetime. So I was meditating on my bed one morning, and I had this overwhelming sense, Inzi, that I was going to die that day. I I went, sat, up, sat on my bed and I told the nurse, I'm going to die today, I think. And she said, Susan, we've got, we got you covered. Don't worry, you'll, you'll be fine. And I said, well, nevertheless, I'm asking you to keep an eye on me. She said, yeah, sure, we will. So I sat on my bed, went back to my room, um, sat on my bed. and So I was meditating. <laughs> I felt this kind of whoosh of my, let's call it my spirit. People call it different things. I'm not you know, I call it spirit, but you call it whatever, whatever people want to call it. And I felt this, this energy rush up my body to the top of my head to my crown. And it was like, I had a suction pad and it was sucked out the top of my head. And it was at that point that I went on a journey and I was out of my body, but I was cognizant. I could I was aware of what was happening. I was aware that I was no longer in my body. And after many years in one's body, you're very attached to your body. And When you come out of it, it's a big deal. I knew this was a big deal. So I began this journey onto what I would call the other side. Again, this goes over a lot of people's belief systems and so on. But I'm just telling my experience of what happened and my memory of what happened. So I floated up and I I had a cosmic view. I could see the cosmos. And it's very hard to put these experiences into words, except to say it was a bit like if you were to be floating in the night sky and you could see the whole of the cosmos, the star system. And it was that kind of perspective that I had, that I am like a star. I'm in this amazing sky of the universe, if you like. And I look down and I gathered this perspective of a much bigger realm. I was asked in this process, and people say to me, how were you asked? I'll answer that in a minute. I was asked, do you want to come back into your body or do you want to stay here? Here was beautiful. It's blissful, it's great, peaceful. There are many things going on and a very beautiful pleasurable experience. However, I'm a mum and I have a son and he needs me. So I make a very clear choice. I want to come back. And as soon as I set the intention that I wanted to come back, bam, I'm back in my body. With a white flash, I came back. Wow. Yes. And I was back in my hospital room nurses checking my blood, monitors clicking, people in and out. I I had no template for what had just happened, other than the fact I knew that it was something extraordinary and huge. Mm -hmm. And I also had a sense not to discuss it with other people because this is things such as Hollywood movies are made of these kind of trips, and I had not understood it at that point. I didn't know what it was or why it happened. But the strangest thing happened next. I was due to have another scan on my brain. It was the third scan in a series. Uh, The first scan identified a major problem with my brain. The second scan identified that this problem had actually decreased and shrunk. When I had the next scan following this near-death experience that I described... Um, the doctor came back after the scan and said, I have the results. And I said, Okay. And I was very optimistic about everything, seeing every glass is half full, whereas everyone else was seeing a glass half empty in my regarding my situation. And he came back in and said, It's quite extraordinary the news we have to tell you. And i okay, just fire away. Let, give it to me. Let me have it. And he said, The um the tumor has gone. And, oh, my gosh, it's bringing up emotion, as you can imagine. You know, it's like really incredible moment of in my life where I was told this tumor has gone and there's no scarring, which is not what we would expect. And I have no words for this. Been in, in oncology a long time. This is an expert consultant, very senior in his role at Cambridge. And he said, "We really don't have an explanation." And in all my years, I haven't seen this ever before. And even at the time, I didn't really join the dots on all of these different things. And I'd never heard of a near-death experience. It's only subsequently that I researched and found out that actually, it's a—it's a, it's a very—it it isn't that common, but it is pretty common. You know, books have been written, Netflix films have been made. And there's been a lot of science and studies on it. And it's a a phenomenon that is recognized by science. And so I had to deal with the news that suddenly this thing had gone. And and people around me were, and the doctor actually said, this looks like a miracle to me, but we're not in the business of miracles. And I laughed and said, that's funny because I am. (laughs) (laughs) I am in the business of miracles. You know, I'd been praying, I'd been meditating, I'd been affirming, visualizing. I'd been having Reiki. I did everything I could think of. Hypnosis every day. So I'd really done the work, and I guess in my belief systems, I always, I had already imagined that I was getting out of this. I'd spent a lot of time visualizing, imagining what life would be like on the other side. I had a. Um, One of my pension plans or, you know, a financial plan matured while I was in hospital and I suddenly had access to a lot of money. And I went on this wild spending spree while I was in my bed. I had my laptop bought in and I suddenly wanted the most wonderful clothes to wear on the beach when I returned home. I wanted the trainers that I've always wanted. And I just kept ordering stuff all the time, because for me, that was me imagining and reimagining what my future would look like well. And I'm a very, I'm an expert visualizer. I'd spent many years doing hypnosis, learning all of these techniques of visualization in my days of learning NLP, which suddenly became very relevant to my ability to recover and to see my future. And I knew the theory, if I can see my future, if I can imagine my future, then I'm creating one aspect of creating the reality of that. So I I started creating my wardrobe of what I was going to wear when I got back to my home. When I went to Ibiza, when I was on the beach, I needed to look fabulous. And, of course, people around me, Lindsay, can you imagine what they were thinking? They're thinking, oh, poor woman, (laughs) you know, she's just gone completely nuts. (laughs) But actually, it's like, if you read the the books on all the kind of reality creation, I was bang on target. I was doing all the right stuff, visualizing. I was h- being hypnotized. I was creating my reality and, you know, buying a lot of beautiful stuff for a new, beautiful life. But at the time, everyone just thought I was bonkers and sadly had lost the, lost the plot. And I understand that. And they didn't like, people didn't like it when I started saying, you know, I'm going to get through this. I would smile at me sweetly and say, you know, bless her, let her think that. But no one was with me. No one else except my son thought that we would nail it. But there I was then. I got the all clear pretty soon. And I was, I went into hospital in April and I got the all clear in December and was told I could go back to my home. And the day I got that news, I booked a flight immediately to go to Ibiza <laughs> Where my home and my friends were. And I took off and came uh, away. And I had the all clear. And every scan since then has been absolutely fine. I've had no further issues. So it's been an extraordinary journey. I didn't speak about it. This was four years ago. I didn't speak about it for at least three years because it was too much. It was a story that I couldn't share because I didn't want to be thought of as strange or deluded mm-hmm. or mad.
0: And I imagine uh, a piece of it that um, it's so sacred that you almost want to keep it, you know, very close to the chest too.
1: Absolutely. It was a divine experience. It was like I met the energy, which I would call, uh, people don't use God. Uh, some people do. I, if I was to say God, that was that was what the experience I had I, that, of that meeting of the divine energy happened, and that's hard to really share with other people, not knowing how it's going to land, right. even with friends. I found myself not talking about it. Oh yeah, I had the brain C word. Yeah, I recovered. I was very lucky, and no one really kind of interrogated me. Well, because I was having mainstream medicine as well, and. People just accepted it. But I knew that the statistics were that I only had about three weeks to live. And there was very, very low, low figures of anyone ever getting through this. And mine was a particularly rough, tough, big case. So I, I no one really joined the dots on all that and, and wondered how on earth did you get through this? But I know myself with this event that happened to me. I was really blessed with this extraordinary event. And I, I really had to, a lot of the work and the difficulty came after I left hospital. I was a different person. I have a different operating software. I have different perspective on life from having had this trip to the other side and to come back. I feel very blessed to have come back, I see the world very differently now. I know that we're all one. Mm-hmm. I don't understand war, for example. It makes no sense to me. Why on earth would we, as human beings, ever go to war with other countries, people with different skin colors? I mean, it's ridiculous. And I read some stuff, or I'm exposed to some stuff that's going on in the world. Uh, I, I just cannot compute why on earth we would call someone a refugee or an immigrant and, and give them problems for crossing made-up borders. To me, it makes no sense. I know this is a political thing for many people, but for my sense of what I learned on the other side is that we are all one. There is no them and us and they're the bad guys. It doesn't work like that. We are all one. We're all human beings in this very tricky <laughs> situation of living life as a human being but I learned that I learned that we are all one I learned that it's very important that we care for ourselves and for one another and take stock of what we're doing and how we communicate the words we use what we talk about what we think about really really important so I get some I learned some really good stuff and I really changed as a person I'm much kinder more loving uh more compassionate more appreciative person. Many people, you know, we know, we've kind of developed. One interesting thing I'm looking at is how we have developed society, how, how society is in this moment in history, and, and how we've created this sort of mechanic this mechanism of, you know, extreme oblivion to the the sensitive nature of the planet and the resources in the planet. Again, how do we get into this fix where many people are eating food that is really full of chemicals and is not nourishing and, and as pesticides. And so on. how do we get into this situation where we're teaching children such ridiculous subjects in school, given now the nature of, of information and so on of what we can now get. And there seems so many things that are dramatically wrong. And, and I'm noticing that there's another piece to this story that I would like to share. When I got back to my home after being away for so many months in hospital. and living with my family. My family were amazing and really took care of me and looked after me, which was wonderful. And I couldn't wait to get back to my community. And when I came back, I came back uh, around Christmas, it was the Christmas party time. And the day I got back, there was a gathering in my local village of friends I hadn't seen since I went. And they never thought, they would see me again probably they thought that that was it when they said goodbye before so it was a big deal me coming back to my village and my friends and community and seeing them once again and uh, they knew i'd been on a big journey so i i went to this beautiful christmas gathering left my home i went with a friend left my home it's cold and we when we left the house my friend checked all around and yep, it's all good, because I hadn't been living in it for such a long time. We came back in the evening, and we'd been away only a few hours. And when I drove up to the house, we saw this black smoke coming out of my house. And there was this incredible fire that had started and rampaged the house, gutted the house, and we couldn't actually get in because the smoke was so intense. And I couldn't stay there. I never actually stayed there ever again. And it gutted the house. Everything I lost in one night, except for one, there was one item left that we found in the soot. I looked around in my house, I, I was like, wow. You know, I was writing a book, all the papers for that book was were being burnt and had gone. All of my pictures, my my all of my things I'd collected over all the years had all gone. And I was shocked. But I've just come out of hospital, just come out of being looked after by family for months. This is the first time I found freedom. And in that one day I get back, I lose everything I own and my house. Mm. And I was weak. You know, I'd had cancer. I'd lost a lot of weight. My hair had gone. All of these things. I you mean, know, I was frail.
0: This was after your near-death experience?
1: Yeah. Oh. And so I saw my house burning down. And there was an upturned card in the ashes. Everything was black. There's one white card, a tarot card. And I had a look at it and it was rebirth, (laughs) the rebirth card. And I thought, goodness, I get get it. Okay, I get it. I get it. I'm being sent back to ground zero and my house was ground zero. Literally, it was just a a flat piece of soot in the forest. And that was my rebirth moment.
0: Your entire house burned to ashes I imagine very big sturdy things that have been burnt down to dust and there is a a tarot card that is left yes that said rebirth yes that is amazing Susie
1: and fortunately, I took a photo. I mean, I don't know what I was. I knew I was going to write a book because I'm a writer. I knew that I would be writing a book about this whole story. So I was kind of documenting through the hospital. All, I was making audios of all my doctor meetings. Thank God I did. I, I have absolute rigorous research and documentation on the, what happened and when. And yeah, one of the, so when I saw this, I, I took a photo of it. It's in my photo reel along with all these. Blackened walls and furniture that melted, and I mean, I just sometimes I look at it and, you know, I need to archive that way away because it's traumatic. It really is. But it, it it made me have I had to start a new life, and what I found one of the big things I I found is the importance of community, and I put a lot of energy into building my community locally around where I lived and, and have very good friends. And we give to each other and ask for help and help one another and so on and so on. I Here I was, I'd lost everything. I had a lot of trainers that I'd bought in a hospital. <laughs> <Well> <laughs> after, I'd lost everything. I didn't have a home. I didn't have anything. And so the community came together. I was offered houses to, but only for, you know, I only had places to stay for a period, short period of time and then I have to go somewhere else. It was a very disruptive period. But I realized this is about I have died, left my body, seen the other side, got expanded, came back, everything material taken, and I was asked to start again. That's what was happening. And I did. And I had to start again with new rules, new ground rules, new understanding of life new life lessons. So disintegrate. And then we went into the pandemic. So it has been an extra. I'm only just sort of crawling out now. It's been an extraordinary few years.
0: Lest to say. Wow. So you had talked about some of the things, how your view and perspective has changed. You're warmer, you're kinder. You You see everybody, you know, as one. What are some of the other things in relation to things you see most people getting caught up in that you may have before your NDE uh, that you don't anymore?
1: Yes. So I enjoy coffee shops going to, I love coffee. And I sit in coffee shops and I listen. And when I'm listening, I hear the outside world. I hear people talking who aren't in my fields most of the time. I surround myself by people who are quite similar to me into health and spirituality and well being and so on. I kind of surround myself with a tribe When I get out there, I can hear the level of dissatisfaction, the level of complaining, the level of negative talking about oneself and others. And I'm quite frankly shocked. Also, I went to stay with my family, a family member who had the news on on TV and I hadn't seen the news. I I don't watch the news on purpose. People say, oh, how do you stay up to date with things i don't want to be up to date with the kind of things that are on the news it's instilling fear it's instilling horrible feeling everything you watch is is horrible that's why it's on the news and the good stuff isn't on the news the good stuff i want to know about uh, i won't find it on bbc news or cnn or fox it's not there so what I notice is a lot of people are absorbing a lot of negative, scary, hellish information and are scared. Of course they are. If you watch the news every day and hypnotize yourself into that is what the world is like, you're going to feel scared. You're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel like this is a world that doesn't love you and that doesn't take care of you. And you're going to expect bombs, wars. I know I've been talking about wars, but that upsets me and I watch the news. I don't want that to be my reality. As human beings, I want us to be kind and looking after each other. And what you get in the news is, is the opposite extreme. So one thing I've really picked up on is what people are being fed and are and agreeing to be fed with, i.e. switching the news on. This barrage of negative information and... Terrible storytelling, negative, dark storytelling, is what is feeding global psyche right now. And boy, can't you tell? You no, know, and we had it with the pandemic. There was a lot of upset of sto- the storytelling, and the narratives that were being played out, scaring many people. At the extent we weren't allowed to travel, we weren't. Like, we were having to do the mask thing and and not travel too much and so on i mean that's that was scary for many people and introduces this this concept of being afraid in life and frankly that is the worst way that we can spend our lives by being afraid i think we should spend our lives being wowed by the magical nature of being a human the magical nature of this incredible world that we live in and using our energies uh, in a way that is helpful and useful Regeneration projects, looking at farming, looking at food, growing our own food, and all of these beautiful, natural things and from the natural world, taking inspiration, taking joy. And I think, Lindsay, one thing I would take out from seeing other people is the lack of joy. I've just written a piece from a magazine about how what are the simple ways to get joy in your life? I loved writing this because the ways that you get joy are very simple. They don't cost anything. They're not in a shop. You don't buy them. This is about how you feel inside, how you relate to the world and noticing the good stuff, noticing nature, noticing the birds. I went for a walk this morning, there were birds singing, birds hopping right in front of you. You only have to be outside in nature for a few moments and these creatures just come to you. And when I see a bird, when I see an insect, when I see the sunrise, I am gobsmacked with joy and feeling awe. I think that's how i meant to be as human beings.
0: <laughs> uh, I am just sitting here with like the biggest goosebumps because so, so much of what you said is just absolutely what I have come to feel so strongly about in the last several years. And while I haven't, of course, had a near-death experience, when I started meditating years ago, that's when things really started to open up and shift for me. So I'm curious to know when you started, you talked about Reiki, um, meditation, hypnosis. Were Mm -hmm. you doing that prior to your diagnosis?
1: Yeah, I was curious as anything about... The human psyche and the, the the power of our minds. The first book I ever wrote was called "Instructions for Happiness and Success." It's about and that was mind technology. That was about the power of our mind. While I was researching for that book, which is the best book I've ever written. I found and discovered that with our our minds is is our secret weapon. When we are able to manage what goes on here, we have become masterful of life. And I found that exciting. I thought, wow, you know, I, I'm a human being. I'm a mind held together in a body, sort of and my body is sort of holding my mind up and allowing it to walk around. But essentially I need to understand this. So I had a real passion for it anyway before I got ill. I was a psychologist. I did a lot of work, a lot I read all the books I could find on ancient wisdom. And a lot of the ancient wisdom where it meets modern science, people like Greg Braden, people like Joe Dispenser and so on. These guys who are doing work on the mind on a science level, their findings are replicating what the ancients talked about and knew, which was hidden a lot. Because when you get powerful, when you find out this stuff, you get powerful, which isn't helpful for civilizations. They want the worker bees to sort of stay a little bit under, and not know too much. I think that's a a sort of a thing that we have come to recognize and realize. So I was digging hard into what are the secrets of the universe? What are the secrets of being a human being? And how can we tap into them? That was my mission. So I followed, I got into meditation. One day in my house, I was having a meltdown. Uh, My relationship had bust. I was running this very huge celebrity PR agency. Everything was on my shoulders. I felt very overwhelmed. I just had it. Yeah. Anyway, and my friend who actually had a leg amputated when she was 13, couldn't really walk very well, came to my house and helped me when I was going through a meltdown. I thought, wow, this beautiful woman who's not even able to get around and has this extreme amputation of a major appendage on her body is helping me with my my silly needs of getting over a relationship how dare I feel so miserable when she can fly high with this painful to walk for her and it humbled me and she said Suze I just I know you're going through it and I'm really sorry I'm going to leave this card of a TM teacher I want you to contact them and I want you to learn uh, because I think it will really help you. I called that number. I learned meditation. And the minute I started meditating, I knew I'd found my thing, my tool that would help me get through life. I started then, that was 20 odd years ago. And then I got involved with the David Lynch Foundation, which uh, his mission is to get TM meditation, Transcendental Meditation out of the world. And I can't think of a finer mission to help the world feel better, get better, get creative, find the bliss. You know, David Lynch talks about finding the bliss inside yourself. I thought, Lindsay, I thought, I on a bit of that. Yes, I do. So I signed up and I've been involved with them and I, I really support them massively because they're doing a great job helping people in particularly in uh, difficult groups Women who need help, kids who need help, prisoners who need help, they help all these people learn meditation and it's a saving grace. You know, it saves many, many people and it saves ordinary people uh, from getting into the depths. You know, it, it makes you feel brighter. It allows you to sort out all the nonsense that we get exposed to all the time. Go inside and do the work. It's for me, it's the most powerful tool I've I come across and I'm still meditating twice a day now. I love it.
0: That's amazing. I, yeah, I, I agree. It's the most powerful tool for so many things for so many people suffer from anxiety right now. And as we talked about, it's no wonder with all the fear mongering that goes on in society and all the divisiveness, but it's so good for that. One of the things that meditating has led me to do was really connect to my higher self and figure out what it was I wanted to do with my career in my life. And so I can't think of enough ways of how it has served me and how I have watched it serve other people. I think for most people, getting quiet and sitting still and being with their own thoughts is scary. And so most people avoid it. Do you have suggestions for like an entrance point of meditation? Because I think to some people, it's just this Concept, this woo woo thing. And I want to allow people to have an approach to it that is, you know, tactical, practical.
1: Sure. Well, I always say that learning meditation was the single most important skill I have ever learned in my life. So I invite people to really listen to that. The most important skill above learning languages, learning numbers, learning all the stuff we learned at school, emotional intelligence, all of these things. If I could ask, say, my kids to do one thing, I would say, learn meditation. There are many ways now. You know, when I was growing up, you had to go to a course. You have to book yourself in, show up, go. Now we've got all sorts of wonderful apps all sorts of wonderful online things that you can tap into for free and begin. And how do you begin? You start, that's it. You make a decision in here that I want to give myself a gift of this freedom inside. And whatever happens inside ourselves is mirrored on the outside world. This is proved many, many times in many ways. Again, one of the ancient... Secrets, what the mystics always knew, the work is that we need to do is on the inside. If we do that, everything in the outside world sorts itself out on every level. Health, abundance, flow, relationships, ideas, inspirations, creativity, you name it, it sorts itself out. It's an all purpose, fabulous tool, which I think if I again, if I was to teach one thing in school. Meditation, get our kids meditating, and you have a much greater perspective of your infinite potential, your infinite soul. You get connected with your higher self, you get instructions from really high up, you link yourself to your intuition, you get smarter, you get happier, you get healthier, you get more grounded, you get amazing ideas. When I meditate, Lindsay, I have a little notepad next to me because I'm firing with loads and loads of ideas they all drop in I go oh yeah yeah that one that one and you catch all these beautiful ideas David Lynch I love as I you is clear iconic film director of our time but more than that he is brilliant at describing meditation and the impact and the power of meditation he talks about you you catch the big fish When you meditate, you catch the big fish. In other words, we have all these beautiful ideas swimming around in our minds. And when you meditate, it's like you get your fishing rod out and you reel in the big one (laughs) and you get really clear on what's important. Many people have monkey mind. Many people are distracted, upset, confused, made to fear life through what's going on in here. And they don't even know that we have this soundtrack that we create inside our heads. The good news, we can control that. We can tune it, retune it to be softer, sweeter, and kinder to ourselves. If you have a monkey mind with the soundtrack in your mind that goes, you're no good. You can't do this. You can't afford anything. Life's going to, you know, blah blah blah. fear, fear, fear. When we've got that running, it's very hard to have a beautiful life. The secret is change the monkey mind. What's a good way of doing that? Meditation, actually, because you become more of an observer of your thoughts. And when you do that, you can kind of realize you aren't your thoughts. Your thoughts are not who you are. You are this magnificent soul in the universe, in a body. And you're being sort of catapulted around with your consciousness and your thoughts. So the more that we can rein in, and make our thoughts good, juicy, beautiful, calm, and lovely, the more beautiful, juicy life we will
0: have. I love that. It would be beautiful if meditation was a practice in our school systems, wouldn't it? And I I wonder, you know, if, if everybody focused on what was going on inside as much as they focused on issues and things that were going outward, this world would look so much different, wouldn't it? It would.
1: It would. And we wouldn't hurt each other. You know, if we focus on the inside work, we can't possibly hurt each other with our words or physical things. We would just be much nicer. And and who, who doesn't want to live in a nicer world? I think we all do. And we all feel like singularly we can't make a difference. However, if singularly we hold hands with other people who feel they want to make good things happen in the world, we become a collective and a force for good. And I think that's what's happening now. There's been a lot of rough rides for us all in the last few years. We all know what they are. Don't need to speak about them. And I think that there is a lot of deconstruction of systems and hierarchies and and things, whether we're looking at banking systems, investment systems, finance, the way social stuff is organized, whatever it is, the deconstruction is happening. And we have to make sure that the reconstruction is a good one. We do not want the old shitty stuff back, thanks. We want, if we're clever as humans, to create systems, paradigms and structures for sorting out the way we we live life, which are uplifting. Spiritually uplifting and help us. So, we have to be a bit clever about this. And I love some of the people who are actively talking in this way, like Russell Brand and these kind of commentators in the world. I'm not sure who it is in the US side, but from Europe, UK, there are some very good, strong voices about let's construct a better society, let's make it better. You know, we've deconstructed massively. Everything is kind of at ground level, a bit like my house was. Back to ground level, we have to rebuild. Let's rebuild differently. Let's rebuild in a way that honours us, doesn't keep us down as worker bees and a bit blind to what's really going on. Let's be thinking about this and constructing it in really brilliant, positive ways. There are some really good ideas coming out. And of course, you know, as human beings, we're now, we have new kinds of problems. We have the problem that we're all online that we're all focusing on technology rather than on other humans. We've seen ourselves. You go to a restaurant or you go out, and you see people who love each other just on their phones, not even acknowledging. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They're not, you know. we're losing. So that this is bad news. You know, we need to be aware that this is happening and take it quite seriously and work out what do we do about it. Mm-hmm.
0: I do feel a little more hopeful when I see people like Russell Brand and the following that he has gotten about what he is bringing to the surface and just having conversations about how this doesn't make sense. And it's not one sided. It's looking at all of it, you know, and so I I think he's doing great work and just getting us to question things and have conversations about them. One thing I'm curious about to know from your perspective is... Mm -hmm. When you came back, did you feel that you had a clear purpose going forward? Is it a new one that you discovered? And then in addition to that, from your perspective, do all of us have a clear purpose here on Earth?
1: Oh, Lindsay, that's such a brilliant <laughs> question. I love it. Thank you, for <laughs> Yes, is the answer. But it's a bigger answer than that. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something that I didn't declare too much before, but I'm going to declare it here because you've poked me to get it out of me. Um, When I was going into the scanner uh, for the first time, I think it was, or the second time, I have to remember. When I was going to the scanner, I had a visitation. It was surrounded by golden energy, and it felt to me like these were golden angels. Call them what you like. I don't care. You might not like angels, but for me, it was a big golden orb full of powerful energy. I was going into the scanner and I was thinking, you know, I had the plugs in your ears that they do, had a mask on, I think, and going into this deep scanner and scary, you know. And anyway, at the very moment, I was pretty scared and I'd been quite cool up to that point. I was holding strong, being courageous. At that point, I was feeling scared. So I had this visitation by what I call golden angels, but others can call whatever they like. And I got very strong intuition that they gave me information. They said, you're going through this. I think I'd asked the question, why am I, why is this happening to me? I'm a good person. Why? And they told me why. The reason was I'd been given this huge storyline Because I'm a writer, I write books. I'm published. I've got a big platform. People listen, and I I talk about a lot of stuff, as I'm doing here today, which I love. And we want you to write about this, communicate about this, share this story. You're going to get out of this absolutely fine. We're going to tell you what the story is ahead of time. You know, then you're going to have one scan, a terrible news. You're going to have a second scan. It gets better. Is improved. The third scan, all clear, is going to amaze everybody. This is the storyline. And we want you to write a book and we want you to talk about it and we want you to get and inspire many, many people around the world that healing is possible, that we have a purpose, that we are meant to be here for good, and that you will learn some important things that you need to communicate. That was the message I got. Then I'm in the scanner for 35 minutes, Lindsay. I'm in the scanner processing this information going, oh, my gosh, I need not be worried. I will get out of this. And when I came out, I think I might have told a loved one about this. And I realized it doesn't land so well with others because they don't have the same optimism and clarity and truth that I did. They thought I was a bit going a bit crazy understandably, you know, I was talking very fast. I was very hyper. I was very ill. And I was on a lot of medication. Yeah, I probably was talking nonsense, but I knew it wasn't nonsense because I knew where it come from and it come from direct divine place. And that was a story that came out. So I knew I'd always known as a writer, I've got a big book to write and I've written this book I haven't. I've got a beautiful agent in LA who looks after great people like Deepak Chopra and Marianne Williamson and Neil Donald Walsh, all my favorite writers. He looks after, and he took me on when he heard about my NDE. And I have written this book, and we will publish it in the world. It hasn't got its home yet, its publishing home, but it will. And it's a very inspiring book. It's a very positive book. It's a very optimistic book about the power of healing, the power of our souls and why we're here. And to answer your question, do I have a sense of why I'm here? Yes, I do. And it's to talk about this extraordinary story that really happened in my own life. And I'm lucky because I've had an extraordinarily stellar career with all the celebrities I've looked after, Madonna and Michael Jackson and George Michael, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not someone who's... I'm not... I'm not... What's her name from the block? You know, I haven't come out of some crazy... uh, off the streets kind of oh she's just weird no i've had a really brilliant career and so i'm kind of a trusted voice to say this kind of crazy story so i've with it comes a bit of you know i've got some credentials to offer and i think also that's helped and that was why i i got this story it landed in my lap and you know because i've been meditating i i grab ideas and this experience and this story landed with me and i have an obligation Now, to share it honestly, authentically, and in a real way that people can take their own, you know, they take their own. You asked some great questions today because I've talked very much about the things I've learned, how it affects every human on the planet in terms of what to think about. You might like to consider these things that we're all one. You might like to consider that, let's be kinder to each other. And all of these things, it's taught me a lot. And uh, my mission is to share
0: that. What a beautiful mission. And (laughs) I can't express enough to people how once you tap into what you feel like how you were meant to serve in this lifetime. First of all, I could listen to you all day the the things that you're saying and, and your values, the things that you believe in could not align more with myself. So the fact that I found you so early on in my search Mm -hmm. for people who've had near-death experiences just speaks to how guided we always are how following your intuition is so important
1: there's one there's a thing I want to say you mentioned being in service and that is one thing I believe we are all in service we have to tune ourselves to find out what is that we are here to do we all have such unique skills. Some of us can dance really well. Not me, by the way. Some of us can sing really well. Some of us can write. Some of us can just be kind. But we all have a unique package that we offer to this world. And it could be tiny in our own minds. You could think, I don't really offer very much. Yes, you do. Everybody has a template within their soul, within their lifetime, that is beautifully giving to other people and keeping them on purpose, on mission, in service. And it's really our antennae we need to tune in to find out what that is. We all have it. If you even deny that you do have it, check again, because I can guarantee (laughs) you have it.
0: I agree. I agree. And yes, for me, finding that was absolutely through meditating. And so I, I really hope everyone tuning in who has not at least tried it before, that is their 2023 goal is to start a meditation practice and to find out what it gifts them with. And one other question I wanted to ask, have you connected with many other people who have experienced a near-death experience? And do you feel drawn to one another? Do you have, I know that there are a lot of commonalities that I've seen in people's experiences.
1: Yeah, very much so. I've contacted people who've written really great books on NDEs, um, people like Raymond Moody. He's now in his 80s, I think. He's adorable. I had a wonderful time talking to him. Even Alexander, people like this, great writers on the topic. And even, for example, you know, great scientists, physicians. Comes from the science uh, space. He's investigated many thousands of cases. So I've loved connecting with these people. And I've done a lot of podcasts that I will be releasing soon on this whole topic. a whole series I've done on, on NDE. There are many commonalities. The people who've had this kind of experience, often there are many similarities, such as losing all fear. That's something that happened to me. I've come back with no fear. How amazing is that? I literally can't find it in my body. Literally, I can't access fear. And I can't be doing with it. I don't want it. And I can't access it. This is a very, very common theme, as is having a sort of spiritual enlightenment, feeling closer to the divine and feeling an understanding that we are divine beings, not just in a mechanical, materialistic world. But really as a spiritual being, we are a spiritual being in a physical body. One example, through the pandemic, we learned not to go shopping. We learned not to go into shopping malls. I've never been a big fan of shopping. But now I couldn't think of anything that's more tedious and dull than just buying stuff. I hate it. It's not, it doesn't talk to me. And, you know, things like this, I've become radically against things that do not feed my soul such as buying stuff. I have enough, you know, if I've got enough clothes to wear, I'm happy. So a lot has changed and there are very many beautiful common denominators with people in this field. When I speak to people who have had near-death experiences and ease, I I know we're on a frequency that's yes. recognisable. I recognise the frequency and I've had some wonderful chats and I'm going to continue really finding these people who've had similar experiences because we're on the same frequency and it's a different frequency to many other people. I can't do parties, can't do small chat, blah, blah, blah. No, I can talk about deep stuff with you. Love, compassion, courage, kindness, all these appreciation, all these deep fields of life I can talk about. I can't do the nonsense chit-chat parties. I, I go in scan. If it's not for me, I'm out of there. I'm a lever. I I love connecting with other ones.
0: And and so I want our audience to know, and we'll have the links appropriate, but you have your own podcast. Where can they tune into that? Where can they follow you, connect with you further? I'd
1: love it if people check out my site, where which holds my podcasts, my courses on creativity, information about my books and my talks and all these things and events I've got coming up. I'm doing a TEDx talk about this experience next month, for example. So join me on susiepearl.com and follow me on Instagram, SusiePearlX, And I would love to connect. I love it when people lean in and ask me stuff. I love it. So yeah, follow me there
0: you know you were speaking about the frequency the energy as soon as i came across your profile uh, i just felt like you had this bright energy and sitting with you today i feel like my own frequency has raised and um you have such a high resonance it's so wonderful to be in your company and i want you to know that beyond just hearing your stories just connecting with you has been such a joy today. So I really appreciate that.
1: A lot of questions, good stuff out of me. So thank you.
0: Good. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And I hope everybody felt just this beautiful feeling that I felt the whole time we've connected and will connect with you further and follow you. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's who's been listening.